Welcome back, everyone, to the F1 Funcast, your most interactive podcast on all things Formula One for all types of Formula One fans. My name is James Messer. I'm joined, as always, by Connor, the crew chief, Gagnon. You can find him at Connor Gagnon all over social media. And um, a lot's happened since the last time we spoke, Connor. So uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad that we're finally getting back to doing this. It's I know it's been a little bit, but our schedules are kind of busy lately. So It's, it's tricky. Um, oh, yeah, it's, been, it's definitely been tricky to find time, but I'm glad that we're finding time now. Um and especially after the weekend that we just had in Great Britain, the race that we had, it was just a phenomenal race. And honestly, I'm really excited to talk about it. Oh, well, then let's just start right there. And uh, what were your big takeaways from the uh, Great Britain Grand Prix? And what did you think of McLaren's effort? Well, that's what I wanted to talk about was their I mean, they made such a big jump, and it was really unexpected, and I think it caught a lot of people off guard, and I don't know if that's just, if that was the upgrades doing doing that, or if that's just a, a circuit in the conditions that suited the McLaren better than others, but it's incredible to see them make that jump like they did, and I mean, they were just barely off pole. I mean, obviously, Red Bull still has that race pace advantage, but... Um, yeah, it's it's incredible to see the jump that McLaren made, and I hope that it is because of the upgrades, and I hope that it's something they can sustain, especially when we go to Hungary next weekend. Well, um, it's going to be very intriguing to see if they can keep that up. I I, I certainly hope so. And the, a few things jumped out at me about their performance, but the first thing was that it wasn't just Lando; it was Oscar Piastri was right there the whole race as well. So. You know, you could see Lando Norris pulling a rabbit out of his hat on his own, um, but to see Piastri right behind him the entire race and, and fighting so hard for a, a podium position, that leads me to, to believe that maybe it is the upgrades. Maybe it is, you know, the car. And like, sorry, like you said, it, um, maybe it's not necessarily going to be, you know, able to carry over to every single, every single Grand Prix, but... There's something to be said about Piastri's performance right behind Norris that I think this might have a little bit of staying power, especially especially on those hard tires late in the race. I mean, oh yeah, really, really fascinating. Well, 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 like they were saying in the broadcast, they have the McLaren is really good at firing up the the tires and getting them into the working window for the temperatures. So it only took even them being on a hard tire it only took them a lap or so to actually get those tires up to temperature and into the working window. And from that point on, they were able to just hold them, hold Hamilton off. Norris was able to hold Hamilton off. Um, they had a great scrap, though. Um, oh, that was restart. fun. That was a lot of fun but to watch, yeah. It was it was awesome. The first couple of laps, having Norris out in front, you're like, whoa, Verstappen's not leading the race? Nor- Norris took the fight right to Verstappen right away? That was um, the most thrilling moment of the season so far, I've got to say. Oh, it was awesome. I, it was awesome. I jumped out of my seat. You know, you're figuring Max is going to get to a good start. And I even, you know, my, my wife, for those of you out there who are just listening, she's a big Formula One fan as well. And I made her sit down and I just said, just watch the start of this race. And the same thing. She just jumped out of her seat to hear them announce. And Lando Norris leads the Grand Prix was really... I mean, probably the most exciting thing to happen so far this year, unless you're a Red Bull fan. And 
I, 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 I didn't. I don't know how to explain it. It was, it was just so exciting. And he, if you noticed when they were lining up on the grid, he was at a severe angle coming into, to that um, start, and it was noticeable when I watched it on the replay. He was, he was aiming for. It seemed like Verstappen's front right tire right off the bat, and then just amazing to be able to hold him off through turn one, and then maintain that lead for a few laps into the Grand Prix. It was a beautiful thing. Oh yeah, I mean, and I I know they touched on that when Norris lined up. They were immediately saying how he's at such an angle, and the first thing that I thought of was that Michael Schumacher used to do the same exact thing when he would start on pole. He would have this crazy angle, almost driving towards the guy that was behind him or the guy that was on pole ahead of him, and it would just give him such a launch. I don't know what it was, but maybe it was just down to the reaction times and the better getaway, but it always seemed to put him in a really good spot. It was it was a thing of beauty, I, and maybe he did take that out of the Schumacher playbook, or maybe they noticed some weakness in Max's starts, but um, they certainly, certainly an impressive day for McLaren, and even, uh, you know, George Russell over the team radio was commenting on how the, uh, the McLaren was so fast on those of laps to try to get in front and that was it and uh credit to the mclaren team for going with the hard tires and they seemed like they were really right on top of it the entire weekend to to be honest yeah that that was a that was a gutsy call i mean everybody was kind of talking about how they could have gone to the soft or they should have gone onto the soft but i think that what mclaren was seeing was that the softs had they could last a long time but they dropped off pretty quick um as far as their peak performance in the tire. So going on to the hard was really the only logical step for them, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it, it seemed like a, a wild decision. And, you know, you've got Lewis Hamilton in your rearview mirror with soft, a set of soft tires. I think Lando even said something like, oh, great, you know, but they were able to. Oh, yeah. They, yep. they were able to hold him off. It was some great defense and great racing. And, um, I've got oh, a it was fantastic racing all up and down the field. It was great racing. Yeah, I want to. I, I want to get onto the uh, the Stroll Gasly uh, coming together at some point. Go for but, it. Let's 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 talk about it. Well, I I think we should talk about it in terms of uh, when we get to our driver moves because I think we have something that we need to talk about. Oh, okay, okay. Let's we'll we'll get there in uh, just a couple minutes here. But um, anything else that jumped out at you from? McLaren on on that race weekend, or you know, in general, Aston Martin having a bad, having another kind of a slump of a race, um, kind of extending from Spain. And now we're seeing it in Britain. There, I don't know if it's just the other teams are their upgrade packages are delivering more, or they're bringing more upgrades than Aston Martin has been able to. But it seems like Aston Martin's kind of dropping back a little bit. Right, there was talk at the start of the season how you know Fernando Alonso wanted that that a first place finish, and Aston Martin was, I think they've fallen to either third or fourth in the constructors at this point. And you're right, the performance just isn't there. I, I thought that car was going to be on the podium every weekend, and that has not been the case. That the, the performance is just not there. And it's it's frustrating to watch if you're especially if you're an Aston Martin fan. But even as a as a race fan you know that was going to be another team that could challenge red bull and they've come back to the pack quite a bit which is surprising oh yeah and i think that 
Aston Martin would be further up the standings as far as the constructors go if they had a second driver that was competent instead of Stroll. I don't, and I don't know if it's just Alonso just being able to drive the absolute wheels off of that car and Stroll is showing like the true pace of that car. But I, I don't know. It, it's just, it seems strange to me that Alonso is able to do what he's able to do in this car and Stroll's so far behind him right. in every race. Every race and every qualifying session. Um, and that doesn't that and, doesn't bode well for any any pair of drivers. Um, you know when you're no when, because you're not getting the maximum amount of points if one driver is wringing the neck of the thing and getting on the podium or fourth place or fifth place every race except for the last couple. Um, but your second driver is wallowing down in like tenth place, eleventh place, fighting for like bare minimum points. It does nothing to help your constructors championship. No, and and it's frustrating from a team standpoint. I would imagine just seeing you know they're, they're driving absolutely the same car and the results are so different. And I guess that leads us into two drivers that were driving the same car with very different results at AlphaTauri and um, Red Bull not being yes. afraid to make a change over the past week. So, uh, what did you think of that? What did you think of AlphaTauri's decision to? to move on from Nick DeVries and bring back, like we've often stated on this podcast, we've talked about it many times, that Daniel Ricciardo made himself available this year. He made himself, he didn't, you know, as a third driver, he wasn't doing the the behind-the-scenes stuff. He was out front, and he made it very publicly known he wanted a seat. So what do you think? What do you think of the AlphaTauri move? What's next for, for the musical chairs in Formula One and... What can we expect to happen next, do you think, with these drivers? Well, I mean, there's a bunch of different dominoes that can fall, but to, let's start with the AlphaTauri uh, Daniel Ricciardo move because I think that was slightly expected. DeVries was just not doing a good enough job, and I know that everybody kind of jumped on him when he had that stellar performance at Monza last year when he stood in for Williams and he had like an hour and a half in the car before uh they started the race. Um, I think he was only there for qualifying in that car. So he, he had some. He finished in the points, I believe. Right. That's probably yeah, he, what. He, yep. What got him this? Seat. Oh yeah. Yeah. He he finished in the points. He had a great race. But to be fair, that Williams was ridiculously good in a straight line, and that that track is obviously all about straight line. Um, I think it was just kind of like a matter of time. But also, Helmet Marco has never really been. Uh, good as far as the revolving door of drivers in his driver program. Um, it's He holds everybody on a very short leash and because he wants results. He wants the most of his investments. And, you know, I can understand that. And I think that Ricardo coming in as the third driver at Red Bull and doing all, all the sim work to try and find his footing again, and then he does this tire test and I know that it was kind of interesting timing. He does the tire test. He does really well at the tire test. Um, and then he gets the seat at AlphaTauri. But I don't think that it was just because he had a good tire test. I think it was because he was showing progress in the simulators. And they just needed a change. They needed to say, okay, well, if he's doing well in the simulators, let's put him in a real car. Let's see how he does in the real car. And if he does do well in the real car, I think Perez has to watch out for his seat. 
because I think Daniel Ricardo could potentially move up to the Red Bull senior team and Liam Lawson will probably be brought in to take Ricardo's seat once he leaves AlphaTauri. Well, wasn't it interesting that they didn't go with uh, Lawson to begin with and they did give Daniel this seat? I think you're right. I think that indicates an openness and a willingness to consider Daniel Ricardo for that Sergio Perez seat next year. If they had passed him over and gone to their their driver program drivers and, and made just a promotion in the house, I think maybe that would have been spelled the end for Daniel Ricardo. But the fact that they they gave him the seat is almost saying we're giving you a tryout for the final, you know, however many races this year. And I think they certainly have an eye on him uh, joining the the big Oh, team. definitely. And he does too. He, he, he's made it very clear. He wants to be in a winning car again and he'll do whatever it takes. And credit, credit to Daniel to put in the work this year to stay close, to be available. You know, those are all things. They always say the best ability is availability. And he's been there. He could have easily taken this year to you know, find himself and to go off and do other things and race on other, other, um, you know, styles and types. And I could picture Daniel Ricardo doing, you know, skydiving. He could have done what, he could have done what Liam Lawson's doing right now and raced over in super formula in Japan, where by the way, he's leading the championship. He's probably going to win the super formula championship this year. Um, which is the it's Japan's equivalent to Formula One. It's like an IndyCar style series, effectively, but just in Japan. Um, so, do you think but, Red Bull then they just in AlphaTauri? Do you think perhaps they just need to see a little bit more out of Liam Lawson, or do you you know why would you do they want to let him finish out his season there and win that win that Super Formula title? And you know what, what do you think precluded them from from just making that change? Right now, you think it was the well, Daniel Ricardo? I, I think that like like Liam Lawson, I don't think he really you know. I know he's a competitor, but I think that he would probably take jumping out of a championship to have a Formula One seat any day of the week of because that's kind of what he was going for. I know he probably wants to win the championship anyways, but um, I I think that the Red Bulls thing is they don't want to put a rookie into the top team car again. They've done that before and it hasn't worked out. Um, so I think that they want to, they want to give Ricardo a chance, but they also want to give time for Lawson to kind of mature and progress. And I think that if Ricardo does well the, the rest of the year, if he starts out qualifying Yuki and starts to get some points, I don't know how, how this car is going to handle his driving style because he likes a very uh, stable car and, uh, especially on turning, he likes to be very aggressive with it. And from what I've heard, that this Alphatari is very unstable on turn-in. Um, so I don't know if that's something he can work around, but I'm hoping he can because I would love to see Ricardo back at Red Bull. Um, but my thinking is they'll probably have Ricardo finish out the season, see how he does. I don't know if Yuki is going to be... I don't think he's performed well enough to get the Red Bull seat. Um, but Perez is certainly looking in the mirror right now and seeing a bunch of different options as far as who could take his seat. So I think the pressure's on Perez at the moment to start performing more, and especially just getting in the Q3. You've got the best car on the grid. Very frustrating. And I know that, I, I know that Max is just this freakish talent that's probably just driving the absolute wheels off of that car and making it look way better than it is. But, and I say that because 
we see Perez starting from the middle of the pack, and he struggles to make up ground. But then we see Max do the same thing. Like last year, he would start in like 14th and end up winning the race. Right, right. And like no effort at all, it seemed like. Um, so I don't know if that's just if Prez is really showing, you know, obviously he's not working well enough with the car, but if it's truthfully not a great car and Max is just just a phenomenal, obviously is a phenomenal driver, he's making it, he's making the most out of it is what I'm trying to say. Sure, um, sure. It's a, yeah, I, th- I think that Prez needs to look in his mirrors a little bit more because the pressure's on. The pressure's on, and it's been uh, it's been building for a little while, and I'm sure that this is just you know, in, in Red Bull saying all the right things about Sergio as the guy, but I'm sure he's getting some restless nights these days. And um, you know, you 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 invoked Yuki Sonoda's name, and I just want to talk about that for one moment. That do you think he could be a big benefactor of? What's going on now where all of a sudden he has a teammate that could push him a little bit and could, you know, threaten him in qualifying and and perhaps outperform him. And some people, that brings the best out of you. You know, he had been just cruising past Nick DeVries for the first half of this year. And now he turns around, he's got a real, you know, a real driver in the car next to him. I think there could be something to... I think Yuki, we might see a little bit more performance out of him just because you know you I, feel that pressure. I think we will too. Yeah, I, I, I think we will, and not just because you know he's going to feel the pressure, but because he's going to be alongside a veteran driver, has race winning experience, and you know he knows how to extract the most out of a car when it suits his style. So I think that Yuki will probably take this as a learning opportunity just as much as as a competitive opportunity. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I I'm going to apologize now. You're probably going to hear some thunder in the background going through a pretty nasty thunderstorm right now. Oh, <laughs> so well. there might be some rumbles of thunder in this recording at some point. <laughs> um, to our listeners out there, it could also be my stomach as I'm recording this before <laughs> breakfast. So it, it, either way, you hear some rumblings in the background. There's no one to blame but ourselves. But uh, so, but but yeah, just to kind of get back to it. Um, I think that. Yuki could definitely use this as a learning experience, and I, I'd like to see Yuki do do more. I think he's definitely got a lot of potential. Obviously, he when he's on it, he's a fast driver. Um, he just needs to kind of settle it down a little bit, and not because you hear him on the team radios all the time. He's <laughs> it's always like he's so highly strung, it's insane. He's always yelling or screaming and. Uh, it's it, like whoa! It, it's crazy. I saw a meme where it was like, you know, Sonoda Radio, and they say Yuki have a great race, and he like, you know, it's all expletives and don't tell me what to do, and you know, yeah, like, oh yeah, <laughs> take it easy, man. Like we're just we're all on the same team here, you I, know. I I love him though. I I love Yuki, and I I hope that he, you know, not just continues to drive now, but uh, gets promoted in the future. I'd love to see it. So. Now I want to talk about Stroll, though. Okay, okay, let's I, do it. And I want to I want to talk about Stroll because I think this is kind of just this is starting to become it's coming to a head at some point. I think this season, where Lawrence is going to have to start making a decision on whether he keeps his son as a driver or not, because, like I said earlier, he's kind of just wallowing down in the lower points positions. He hasn't really had a stellar performance. He's making mistakes. He, um, and he ruined Gasly's race the other the other day, 
and I know that initially, you know, he got off with that um, pass when he was off the track, right. but it was because Gasly probably didn't leave him en- enough room. But on the second one, when he went around the outside again, Gasly did leave him enough room. I've looked at that on board. There's, you know, he would have been riding the curb, but there's enough room there. And he goes off the track and then just kind of clumsily comes back onto the track and takes takes Gasly out. But so, yeah, we spoke about this in uh, our most recent podcast. It was really the main subject if uh, what was going to happen with with Lance Stroll. And here we are two races later and (laughs) he's done nothing to assuage concerns about the future for for Aston Martin. And like you said earlier, He's costing his team points in a year where they should be scoring points consistently. And oh, th- th- absolutely, absolutely, they should they should be second or third, but they're sitting down there in fourth now. Is because uh, again, like I said earlier, Alonso's ringing the neck of the car and getting the most amount of points out of it, and Stroll's fighting for the lower points position. It's, it's really fascinating, especially when you have you know a world champion in such a class class A driver, really with with Fernando Alonso, I wonder at what point saying all the right things turns into a little bit of frustration because he's been a great teammate so far this year and he's really, but Fernando Alonso is not afraid to speak his mind and to to say what he really thinks. And I just wonder how long it's going to be until we start to hear a little bit of rumbling where he wishes he had a teammate that could keep up with him and that, you know, the team, he might not say it as directly as that, but I would be frustrated. I would be frustrated if I was, if I was Fernando Alonso. Absolutely. And, uh, so, so what do you think happens next then? What, what, I, I know we're not in the prognostication game here. I guess we are. I guess we actually are. So what, what do you think? We've had the first domino fall with Daniel Ricardo and Alpha Tari. What, what do you see happening next? Is it Sergio Perez at the end of the year? Do we have a Lance Stroll move? I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know because I mean I've been. You've probably seen these too, but there's the rumors of. Uh, I saw one this morning of Lando Norris apparently signing a pre-agreement with Ferrari. Whoa. I've heard, and I don't know. Who, I, I've heard. I don't think that's true, but how do we know? I know science is not happy at Ferrari. I could see him going somewhere else. Um. Maybe not this year, but maybe the year after. Right. I think Leclerc is obviously frustrated with Ferrari, but I think that you know he has a little bit more faith than Sainz does because Sainz has moved around a little bit more. Um, so you know, either one of them could potentially move. Lewis, they're in the middle of contract talks with Mercedes right now, and. Who knows how that's Those going? Those seem to have stalled out a little bit. There's some momentum about a month ago. It's, it seems like it. Yeah, because he was happy because they seemed like they were starting to go more in the right direction. He's not happy that the team didn't listen to him about as the car concept and what direction they were going to take for this year's car. Because he was saying last year, we need to switch to what Red Bull's doing. And they just, oh no, one more year with this no side pod concept. And it set them so far back. And I mean, I think they're gaining some ground now. Um, but yeah. Is it too late? Was a little bit late? of pride and ego probably played, you know, a role in that. Hey, we're Mercedes. We know what we're doing. But clearly, Lewis was right in that situation where there should be those changes should have been brought b- 
before the season started. They, they to, to come into this year with that same zero pod design and the same issues they had last year seems seems to me to have been a really um, almost negligent decision for Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like they had they had they saw the results the first year that they tried it, and obviously it wasn't working. So I don't know what made them convinced that that was still the route to go and just tweak it a little bit. Whether it was, oh, they're saying that we have to have the right height 15 millimeters higher so that'll, that'll help us because porpoising was the main problem last year. That's why we couldn't run the car low and get the most downforce. But then the start of the season, they still had this. It was, just, it was still slow. Very slow. Very slow. And they're in the fight now for... Uh, second place in the constructors and you just wonder would they be pulling away from the pack a little bit if they had listened to their their star oh, yeah. driver rather than their own um i think that if they had started the season with a concept the side pod concept they have right now and just kind of ev- uh, made it like make evolutions of it as the season goes on i think we would have seen a much different picture as far as second place i think that they probably would have been battling it out second place in the constructors at the start of the season, but they they would have pulled far away from everybody else by now. Um, Bit of a self-inflicted, so, self-inflicted wound. Yeah, it's definitely self-inflicted. And I mean, speaking of self-inflicted, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk about Ferrari, but <laughs> they're dropping down the ladder more and more. They, you know, I mean, it's it, it's they just got. I know. McLaren maybe just had this one-off performance, or it could just be that their upgrades really worked and they've got more upgrades coming. But it seems like they've really made that car come alive. And so not only has Aston Martin sort of jumped Ferrari, but Mercedes is ahead of Ferrari, Rebels obviously ahead of Ferrari, and now we might have McLaren potentially ahead of Ferrari. And it doesn't seem like it so, doesn't seem like Ferrari's really brought any upgrades that have significantly altered their performance no not at all not at all that's and that's it leaves you scratching your head a little bit about you know why why they're not getting there every other team that's brought major upgrades seems to have gotten major performance gains this year and i mean mclaren is the case study you know well yeah and, and i mean i've i read something earlier that says that Ferrari's really already switched over to next year's car. They've already turned their focus to the next year's car. And I think Mercedes has as well. Yep, um, can't blame them. And now that's not saying that they're not going to bring upgrades to this year's car in the hopes of kind of testing things out for next year. But I think we're going to see less upgrades coming to these cars and definitely going to be more focus on next year for Mercedes and Ferrari, but it's going to be interesting to see for the rest of the year. I, I know we're at the halfway mark, we're about to be, uh, then we got the, the summer break, the month-long summer break, which is going to be brutal, um, because I, I feel like we already had one at the start of the year when we had that three-week gap because China had to cancel the race. Um, but, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the second half of the season when, you know, Rebels obviously probably shifted their focus to next year already because they had constructors wrapped up two weeks ago um yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to see what everybody's mindset is it is interesting and i mean in some ways you could have started focusing on that 2024 car at the start of the year at turn one in bahrain 
with uh, <clears throat> when we saw what Red Bull was fully capable of, like the like the Death Star. But um, one interesting thing I saw this week was that I don't know if you saw that Toto Wolf the day after uh, Nick DeVries was let go was out seeing. And I'm wondering, do you think he was just picking his brain about how things work over there at Red Bull? Do you think, or do you think it was just a friendly lunch in the middle well, of a middle DeVries of a long week? Is a Mer- was a Mercedes driver. He was brought up uh, through the Mercedes driver program. Uh, he raced, you know, he was bouncing between Mercedes and Williams um, as far as testing, and then obviously he drove. He, obviously, he drove for Williams. So I think that. If I remember right, he was supposed to be coming up the wings for Mercedes, um, but they loaned him to AlphaTauri. That's interesting. So maybe it was a little bit of a, you can always come back home again. You can always. Yeah, bring bring you back, kind of like what they did with Mick, I think, in a way, is they, they know that he still has some potential. I just think that maybe he wasn't in the right environment. And they see that because they're kind of doing the same thing with Mick, where Toto, as soon as Haas dropped Mick, it was like the week after, I think, was when we saw that Mick would sign on for reserve role right. with Mercedes. Wasted no time in... in, in no time. I'm One thing I've come to learn for sure is that your environment certainly plays a major part in your performance in Formula One. People seem to really need to have the right fit and the right place to be successful. Like you said about Daniel Ricciardo, and he likes a certain type of car. He didn't have that type of car at McLaren, and he, he really struggled. So I think just in general, it'll be interesting to see which teams and where people land and how they move because there's so many different types of situations, so many different types of teams and, and cultures, and it's, it's really interesting that where you are plays such an important role. And I guess that, you know, it it says something about your happiness and your your ability to thrive where you are. And I don't know, it's just very interesting. I never when I started watching Formula One, I didn't think I thought it was just sit in the car and go fast as fast as you can. But really there's a lot more to it. You see some of these teams where the, the drivers seem to really like each other and then other teams where the culture seems to be pitted against each other. And it's just very interesting to watch from the outside. Oh, absolutely it is. And I I think it's, you know, to kind of touch on the driver market thing again, I think it's going to be very interesting the next couple of years because obviously uh, Alfa Romeo is getting dropped and Sauber is going to become Audi. So I think there's going to be some level of, you'll see a driver going to Alfa Romeo or to Sauber, whatever they're going to call themselves before Audi. And kind of get in the door and start the process of integrating themselves with the team before Audi shows up. But I think that'll be more of an Audi decision. But it's going to be interesting to see what drivers they bring on. And I I don't know. I think that the driver market the next, well, obviously the rest of the season going into next season is going to be pretty interesting. And it's going to be something that I think so. And I, I now that you say that, I had kind of forgotten that those teams are going to change and there's going to be new leadership at the top. So that certainly adds another element of uh, intrigue and I don't want to say instability, but certainly a little bit of, you know, shake things up a little bit and be very interesting to watch. And another thing that will be interesting to watch will be the Hungarian Grand Prix 
uh, in a couple weeks. So, with that in mind, what what do you anticipate seeing in Hungary? What type of track are we looking at? Um, you know, historically, is this a, a Red Bull track? Do you think, like we said, McLaren performed really well at home um, in Silverstone? Is there a team that usually performs well in Hungary? In, in your mind, I mean, I'm sure you don't have tons of research on it. Um, I mean, Red Bull, obviously, I think, is going to have the upper hand because they seem to be the quickest through the fast and medium speed corners, which is what this track is primarily consisting of. Um, I mean, I know you had the long front straight and then going up the hill after turn four, I think. Um, going to turn five is a pretty, pretty nice run there, but it's not a lot about speed it's more about your cornering ability so whatever cars have seemed to have better cornering ability this season i think they're going to excel um we might see a drop off from williams because they tend to be more of a higher speed circuit kind of a team right um i don't know i guess we'll have to see what alvin says about that though Um, he's he's been very impressive this year i've got to say oh he's been Absolutely impressive, and I, I think I got asked earlier this week, like, not to break it off from our subject, but I got asked if um, maybe he would take the Red Bull seat if that became available to him, seeing as that's where he came from. And I, if I was Alvin, I don't know. I don't. Would you take the chance of going back to a team that kicked you to the curb? the first time because you were underperforming knowing that you're going to be second fiddle to max again anyways or would you stay at Williams knowing that you have a chance to be a part of bringing a team up from the back of the grid up the midfield um, and being more of a contender especially with all the improvements that they're going to be doing at Williams where they're going to be pumping so much money into the factory and bringing everything there up to date all the wind tunnels um, because I think it was, um, James Allison, no, not Allison, James Vols, Vols. Um, he said that a lot of the things that were at the factory were a decade or two old, and so they're 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 so far behind on things, and they're using these old this old technology for these modern these new cars, and it's just not working. They're not able to keep up using that stuff because it's not giving them the correct data or the data points that they need. Um, so I think that Williams pumping in the money to that they're going to under this new management and bringing all these upgrades and improvements to their factory will also trickle down into their car. So I think there's a chance we might see Williams crawling up the. Oh, you'd love to see bit. that. You'd love to see that. But I would love to see that. But I think that if I was Alvin, I would stay there just because of that. Just knowing that. Okay, Rebel, they already gave me a shot. I don't want to go back there and be second fiddle and have all this pressure of, you know, I'm going to be kicked to the curb if I start underperforming again. But I'd rather be in a situation where it seems like Williams has a great, like, it's just a great dynamic at this team right now. And everybody knows what they're a part of. They're a part of the same goal, which is to bring them up the midfield. And I think that we'll see more of that. And like I said, I, I think if Alvin really considers it, he'll stay at Williams and be a part of that because at the end of the day, I think there's a little bit more to be said about doing that instead of just hopping onto a top team and I, I think as you fiddle. say it, 
I'm, I'm over here thinking you're absolutely right. There's something, you know, you can go down as somewhat of a Williams legend if you stick around and, and you're there for the rebuild and maybe you get their first win in however many years. And, you know, you're never going to be a Red Bull legend. And if anything, your career could come to a screeching halt at any moment where Williams is going to give you that time and respect because you've been there through the lean years and through all the tough times. So as you're saying it, you've really convinced me that the best move for Alex Albon would be to to stick around and stay home rather than chasing something that, you know, is really kind of more of a uh, something from his past than a than a real opportunity for his future. So and and I and I hope he doesn't. Alex, if you ever listen to this, I hope you hear this and I hope you consider it because I think it would be the smartest career move that you can make right now is staying at Williams and helping with that rebuild. I know it, it's going to take a lot of effort, but you don't want to be second fiddle to Max, and you'd know that you would That's be if you joined true. Red Bull. And, and now I'm picturing future Alex Albon, Red Bull world champion, listening to this, <clears throat> laughing all the way to the bank. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I taught those guys. I taught those oh, Americans. <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it's very interesting, the decisions these teams have to make, and... And we're starting to see it play out now. Now, do you think there's any any other drivers at risk before the end of this season? I mean, we've seen Nick DeVries go. I um, think. You know, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, I was I was just not in like an agreement. Um, yeah, well, it's you know the younger drivers have time, right? If they're underperforming, like a Logan Sargent or someone, he's he's a rookie and he's got time and he can be part of that Red Bull rebuild or i'm sorry the williams rebuild and do you think do you think that williams is gonna um boot sergeant or do you think they'll keep him because he's a rookie and alvin's just i think he's i think he's got another year before maybe the screws start to turn i i think i think they'll give him one more year it's tough to to boot a rookie on a team that's been so oh yeah um up and down yeah behind the curve I, I'm not sure, and uh, you know, I'm mentally going through the list of list of drivers, and I'm sure Alfa Romeo is going to shake things up in the future before they make that name change and team change. But in the short term, it feels like we might have a pretty stable grid here um, through the rest of 2023. And, and you know, that's as soon as we stop recording, we're going to find out Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris are going to Ferrari. <laughs> and, you know, that's the way it goes. But yeah. I'm just curious if you can think of anyone else in the short term who might be um, on a bit of a hot seat. Mm. Well, I think DeFries is gone. Stroll. Oh, Stroll. That, obviously, he's... I think he's definitely the one that's in the hottest seat at the moment. Um, depends on what his dad does for him. But I think other than that, I think, like you said, the grid's fairly stable for right now. And the only swaps that are going to happen could be maybe Lewis leaving Mercedes or Sainz leaving Ferrari. I think the two biggest things that could happen are Lewis leaving Mercedes and Leclerc leaving Ferrari. I think both of those would be absolutely bombshells. I mean, and, and I could see a scenario where they end up on each other's former team in that situation where, you know, Leclerc would be yeah. a pretty good fit alongside George Russell and... We've talked about it before, but I think retiring in that Ferrari red holds a lot of appeal to a lot of people, especially a eight-time world champion who would like to make it number nine. 
you know, so it's <laughs> you mean seven, you mean seven for, going eight, for eight, eight for right? nine, nine for what? Did <laughs> you win eight times at Silverstone? Is that what I have in my head? Is he an eight-time Silverstone winner? That I think so. That's I, th- what I've I think that's what head. you're that's what you're thinking. Or or you're making a little a little jab at Verstappen uh, because <laughs> of what happened Let's go with in, that. at the end of twenty one. Let's 21. go with that eight-time world champion. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It's a fascinating time of year, and like you said, I'm really not looking forward to the summer break because the 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 race in um, Great Britain was really exciting, and these teams seem to be, aside from Red Bull, kind of bunching up in the middle, and that's what you like to see that overtakes and defensive driving and strategy. But that's what we've been saying this entire time, this entire season. We've been saying if it wasn't for Red Bull, this season might be one of the greatest it's true. seasons it's ever. It's true because it, it's everything that goes along with the racing too. You know, the strategy. It's just been really tight in the middle and a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, I and and we touched on it a bit earlier, but I was really disappointed for Gasly and how that race ended with Alpine with two uh, did not finishes because that's another team that has young drivers and a cash infusion coming in and just things look on the up and up. That's the thing though, I guess not every team can improve with some teams improvements. Other teams have to fall behind just naturally, but it seems like everybody's really kind of duking it out for the same place. And it's, it's fun to watch. And, and, and hats off to Red Bull. I mean, we've said this so many times this year, but I mean, They've done a phenomenal job, not just with the car, but Max is just obviously a perfect match for what that car can do, and he's really getting the most out of it. And it's kind of it's scary to see just how dominant that car is. Um, but again, like we've said, if it wasn't for Red Bull this year, the teams would be all so close together. I mean, it would be such a great fight all year long. And that's not taking away from what Red Bull has done. I mean, they've obviously done a phenomenal job, and it's about who, at the end of the day, it's about who brings the best car to the that's grid. That's it. And, and, you know... But I think that, you know, maybe next year we'll see them bunch up a little bit more, or Red Bull is just going to take another step. Kind of give the stiff arm to the approaching field and and keep them at bay. But, you know, one thing, and in, in you brought it up, and I think we do not do enough... Um, praising of Red Bull on this podcast and you know because they're so far ahead and they're so frustrating for everybody but truly um, that team is something special this year and what we're watching is really I mean you're watching history you're watching a team you know that that is essentially the F1 equivalent of dare I say the undefeated New England Patriots um, in terms of just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but they're actually going to win the championship yeah. at the end of the year, unlike us who got snipey no, by the helmet uh, yeah, catch. There's no one game to rule them all at the end of the season. No one race. But it, uh, they certainly have been very impressive in that team. And Imagine being in such a position where you're running away with the constructors and you're still thinking about tweaking your driver lineup. I mean, that talk about having having a oh yeah you know embarrassment of riches over there. Well, well that's... That's the thing. I kind of just thought about this is that I don't know if Prez is in such a hot seat. Yeah, he's been underperforming, but he could still potentially end up as second right. in the championship. So are you going to get rid of a driver after he finishes second in the championship, even though he's had so many bad performances? And I mean, it, I guess it really only 
we'll only really know if he continues this slump and he, start, he keeps having these problems with driving the car um, and not getting out of Q3 or Q2 and not having a good... I mean, he should be in second place right. every race. With what we're seeing, if what we're seeing from Max is an indicator, we should be seeing Perez in second place and, every and single race. To be race. fair to Perez, he's the only other guy that's won a Grand Prix this year. So, you know, it, it's it's yeah. Max Verstappen's world, and Sergio Perez has to live in it. But it's not like he's yeah he's he's struggled, but he's it's not like he's not finishing these races or you know finishing out of the points. He's still. He's still doing a good job. It's just when you're compared to someone who's having what might be the greatest season of all time, it's tough to look your best. You know, it's tough to, it's, it just must be frustrating to wake up every week and realize like, no matter what I do, my teammate is going to blow the doors off of me. And well, I just, I think it's, you know, I think it's funny. It was like, as soon as Perez said that I'm taking the, the title fight to Verstappen or like I, I'm gonna yeah like something along those lines I don't remember the quote exactly but it was like almost as soon as he said that like his performances just took a nosedive and I guess to kind of go along with that is that I wonder how bored Max is at the front of these races all the time I think that was like the, that was like the most excitement he's had in a race in the past three or four where Norris got in front of him and he's like oh okay I actually had to pass this guy to get the lead of the race and then i can romp away right. with it but usually he just gets it on cruise control by lap five and that's what you know at the start getting... of the year i we made the joke and it's still true but like he could just pop on this podcast after the first couple laps and listen to it and maybe an audible an ebook or something and just kind of zone out and just drive his car like he's going through the american midwest you know like uh straight and flat yeah unbelievable like a sunday drive it, so he Max has had um, he's made some interesting comments lately about stepping away from Formula One if things were different and if things yep and I I've got to believe that's just kind of a negotiating ploy and I mean or do you think he's so bored I don't know I I think that well I I see what he does like he does um, sim right. racing online and he always does like the endurance races he's always doing some kind of an endurance race. Uh, like the Le Mans style race, I would I would wager a bet that once he's done his Formula One career, he does some kind of uh, endurance sure, race. Sure, but that's going to be. I could easily see him doing that. Do you think he's the type that's that. going to race to his late thirties in Formula One, or do you think he's going to accomplish all his goals and kind of take some time away? I mean, I I think that he's. You know, obviously he's probably going to want to just keep on winning, but at what point does he say, oh, all right, well, I've kind of done it all in this sport. I want to try and do the do go for everything it, Max. in the next one. Go do it. Go go do your endurance racing. Yeah, come, come to come IndyCar. To IndyCar. We'll see you in Long Beach. Max, right? come, come to IndyCar. Uh, you know, anything. You want to take up <laughs> hockey or something? Go for it. Just anything other than dominating Formula One for the next decade would be great, you know. <laughs> um, He's, but all, again, all credit to, to him and that team and what they've done. And but I don't think they're on another. They're yeah, on another level right now. I don't think that ruins the season or makes the makes it boring. In fact, I thought the British Grand Prix was the most exciting race of the year. And you know, it wasn't really in sure. question who was going to win the race, but it was it was exciting and it was fun. And 
you, you just have to know what to look for. If you're if you're doing the thing where you need your team to win or your guy to win every single week, that's not going to work out for you. But I don't know. I, I, I understand people's frustration with the Red Bull dominance, but I also see the other side of it where, you know, the catch-up is really almost as fun to watch as, as anything else. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're just sitting there thinking, all right, well, who's going to be the, the team that gets them first? Who's going to be that team that knocks them, the first one that knocks them off that pedestal? Like we saw back in like 2014, I'm going to go back to where Mercedes looked like this dominant force right out of the gate. And then Ricardo comes with Red Bull and wins and wins. I think he won like two or three races that season. Um, Canada, Belgium, Hungary, and it was like, oh man, all right, awesome. Somebody is taking the fight to Mercedes. Somebody is like, they're the first ones to knock them off that pedestal, and obviously that didn't really work out because they won eight constructors championships in a row after that. But you know, it's it's just like you said, it's about the chase. It's about that. Who's the that next team going to be that comes and knocks well, them so off the pedestal? With that being said, and before we get out of here, any. You want to put a bold prediction down on who that driver is going to be? Who's going to be the first? No, because I'm probably I'm probably going to be wrong. Because it's kind of a crap shoot. I was I was going to say either Mercedes or Ferrari, but now all of a sudden we have McLaren jumping up the ladder, and it's like, whoa, okay, maybe they will. I, and, and Lando I, Norris I could do it. He's, I, I he's think certainly that, a skilled enough driver. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, he's skilled enough. I think that. I, I think that. If McLaren keeps this upward trend going, it could be very yeah, interesting. I, and I love it. And I think, you know, aside, everyone's got their teams from the big, you know, the big three or four. But I love the idea of a competitive uh, McLaren, a surging Williams. You know, these these legacy teams that have kind of struggled in recent past. You love the idea of them them getting back up there and. You just know how special that podium was for Zach Brown and McLaren last week. And did you see the did you see the pit wall when uh, when that race was over? I mean, you. you oh yeah, they you, were celebrating it like I a mean, win. I was worried Zach Brown was going to take someone out the way he was high fiving, and he was going to knock the wind out of somebody with those that energy, man. <laughs> it just looked like such a such a feeling of relief and happiness and realizing like all this work we've put in has been worth it and you see the results and i'm sure that is inspiring to a team like williams or any of these other teams that have been on the chase and you love to see it i just love to see that happiness and that pure that pure joy of, of finally getting i mean imagine imagine the joy of being the first team to knock off red bull that's going to be something to see that's going to be some yeah. bragging yeah, rights right it's, there it's going to be exciting and it's a lot of fun to watch and we're we're in hungary next weekend is that right is that uh 20 you next said the weekend. 21st through the 23rd something like that 20 yep weekend of the 21st and 20, very good the hopefully they're not going through a major heat wave like we are here in the states so you know teams their tires will last and it's just unbelievable conditions. Oh man, I've been getting nothing but rain oh, that, over here. That's so that, I mean, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> depending on where you are, you're getting a different version it's, of extreme been, weather. That's for sure. I don't know if anybody else is on, on the East coast is listening, but we've been getting absolutely drenched. And I mean, I think you saw in the news, Vermont has some crazy flooding going on right it's, now. So it's tough to see. 
you know, if you if you're up in Vermont, our thoughts are with you because I hope you get through all the flooding safely. And to all our listeners out Absolutely. there, you stay safe Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, you know, it's uh, it's tough to see that. It's tough to see any, you know, it, that's as much of a natural disaster as anything that that water damage and the flooding and people losing their homes. It's tough to tough to see and to not be able to really do too much about it like anything else and um but hopefully formula one will help you get through and you'll be able to turn on some races and, and have some fun with us and have some fun watching the qualifyings the races the free practices everything that goes along with it it's it's been a lot of fun for us here and uh you know hopefully if you are going through a tough time with with flooding or even the heat waves or even just having a bad day if you you pop us on maybe we can make you laugh or give you some info that helps you get through that time yeah for sure i hope so for sure i hope so that's because that's what we're all about here we're all about just having fun and kind of talking about whatever and i, and I will say want, to, really. to people out there we're going to be much more active again on social media uh we don't get too personal here on the on the fun cast but we're expecting a a new child out here in California and we've got some new work schedules. So it's been a little hectic trying to a little behind the scenes. I am not that handy, but a lot of this baby stuff requires some handyman in me and it just is a struggle, but it's a lot of fun. And so, you know, maybe a little inconsistencies in our schedule, but we're going to iron that out. We're here for you. And, um, you know, just just happy to happy to have you along for the ride, and and we'll be here on a weekly, if not more often, basis going forward. And like Connor said, he's got some thunder and all that in the background. If some days during these podcasts you hear a little baby crying, it's not me whining about Red Bull. It'll probably be a new a new per a new person here <laughs> with us at the F One Funcast. So we're looking forward to that. And. Um, Anything else you want to you want to let people know about Connor? Anything you got going on that uh, you want to share or uh, thoughts on the upcoming? Nope, I'm just no no more thoughts on the upcoming. Um, but I am proud to say I'm trying to add to my collection of Formula One memorabilia. I'm slowly adding, slowly working on adding to it. Where do you like um, to where do you like so to go for that? Where do you, any... where do you like to look for F1 memorabilia? Um, oh man, I. I just kind of type something in the Google and I find whatever I so whatever the I internet. can really. Uh, I actually I went I went to a I went to an antique shop a couple of weeks ago and I found a it's not Formula One but it's an old um, if anybody remembers the kart series um, from the mid nineties. Uh, it was basically an IndyCar competitor, and I've got a diecast model of this car. I think it's uh, who's it. Let me see if I can see who it is. It's Mario Andretti's uh, car. And it, well, not only does it look great, but it serves as a piggy bank. So it gets it's it's two in one. Cool. That's pretty cool. So that's what we're doing out here on the F1 Funcast. If you want to email us, let us know what you're up to, how you like to watch the races, where you race from, where you, where you watch from. You can always email us at f1funcast at gmail.com or find us on social media. Like I said, we'll be much more active again here in the near future as we iron out our new schedules and time together. Uh, Connor is We're working on it guys. Just bear just bear yeah. with us. We're, and, uh, we're still working you know, out someday some of the when kinks, we're but you know still we'll doing this you. in twenty twenty eight. We'll look back on some of these episodes and, and laugh at ourselves. But it's uh it's a lot of fun. Connor's at Connor Gagnon on Instagram. Check him out. He's always got good info uh, for you. 
And with that being said, I think the F1 Funcast has reached the checkered flag. What do you say, Chief? I say we call it. All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you later.